Three, two, one, go. You can't fly with your wounds. The air pressure will rip you wide open. Maybe I can take a bus. I can take a bus. Can I take a bus? Can I take a train or, 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 or a cab? Bo, we're responsible for you. Driving you home is the absolute least we can do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry, but I have to go today. I have to go today. I don't want to impose. I don't want to... Going tomorrow won't be an imposition. It'll be my pleasure. Okay? Okay. Is it Bo? Don't just say that. This is your decision. Bo is afraid, but not of his mom's vagina. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I mean, we all saw the movie ended, right? And how it began. Right. Born. I mean, he was being born, and then he took a boat into a cave mm. that seemed very wall-like. Yeah. Kind of crawling back into the womb, per se. Mm. It's like the ending of North by Northwest. The tunnel is the vag. Yeah, like the cave we go is just his mom's vag again. <laughs> Are there sexual <laughs> undertones to this movie? Is that what you're trying to get? I, it's what I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to lean into. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Stevie. Tonight, we have a very special episode. Isn't that right, Pap? Yeah, we reached out to Nick. Um, and this also might be the start of Spooky Spoilers, depending on when we release it. October um, 1st. Or how you viewed the movie. Yeah. Um, but we reached out to Nick. We said, hey, Nick, uh, anything you want us to review? Uh, it's been a while. Did he review it? Did he pick another episode? Do you remember? Is this his first pick? Uh, no, he was. Was he our Ground first. Zero? Oh man, you didn't do your research on this. I'm just like at the beginning of the Instagram DMs we have with him. <laughs> uh, give me a second. I think he was our. Wasn't very he the assassin first. movie? Yeah. Well, so Josh sent him a genie gif, and then <laughs> Nick replied <laughs> with, "LOL." I'm gonna say Bo is afraid. Watched it a few days ago, and I'm still thinking about it. I liked it, but I needed another watch to grasp all and would love to hear your guys' thoughts. So that's why we're here today. Bequeathed by Nick. Bequeathed? Bequeathed. Bequeathed. Bequeathed by Nick. <laughs> Something we need to say in all of these type of episodes now, obviously. Oh, all right. Well, tonight's opening question It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a simplistic one, but I just kind of hear what your guys' thoughts are. Let's go from, let's start in the room here, and then we'll go to Chicago with money. I like it. How much would you have to get paid to spend a week in Bo's neighborhood and apartment? Mm, good question. I can go first. This is Pappy sitting clockwise from Stevie <laughs> around the table. This is really nice. I... Birthday boy stab man? That's pretty scary. <laughs> He's there. Scary. He's there. <laughs> um, a week? I could probably do it for like $75,000. That's probably my minimum. Listen, I would try and get more out of it, but $75,000 would be my minimum. I mean, I think that's pretty good. 75 k for a week in that neighborhood? Yeah, I could. I mean, listen, I wouldn't lose my keys. I wouldn't leave the apartment. That would be my first thing. I wouldn't get drugged. I wouldn't get assaulted. <laughs> 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't be get a victim. chased by a tattoo man. I would man. make sure I had water before I took the pills. I, I wouldn't would have a go. victim mentality. This wouldn't happen <laughs> to me. victim mentality. Well, look, if I'm as, as scared as Bo, then you're talking about more money. That would just be a hellish experience. Yeah. And also, good news, Josh and Research just showed us that um, Nick's episode that he did the first time for the Patreon was Possessor. Is that right? Yeah. Is he was that our, right? He was our first Patreon. I, it's I'm the look, Assassin movie, right? I'm looking back at our DMs. He said, when's the Patreon link going live? So he was w- waiting for it before we even had it. Oldest, loyalist friend, Nick. Yes. That's why we reached out to him. And here's the thing. We often talk about the Jesus character of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it might be Nick. His Instagram name is like Jungle Love OEOEO. That's which, amazing. Which is a silent Bob and Jay thing that they like to say. And if he's or been he with us, the song. if he's been with us this long, and know that he likes Silent Bob and Jay. He forgave you guys for everything you said about Mall Rats, and he's still with us. He has the forgiveness of a Christ character that you like to see. Can I Wouldn't tell- it be Jay and Silent Bob? I may have mixed it up right there. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, Josh has got a lot of buttons in front of him. He's got all the knobs. He's twisting. <laughs> Can I tell a quick jungle love story? Please. Real quick? Uh, so I went to Peru once, and I got really bad food poisoning there. <laughs> Sorry, flexing the soundboard over here with the snaps. So I went to Peru, and I got in a cab. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I felt like shit. Like I was just so disoriented. The cab driver was trying to talk to me in Spanish. My Spanish sucks, and his English was way better than my Spanish. Um, so he's he's like he's looking at me and like trying to make uh, contact. He's like, oh, he holds his finger up and he's like, I got something for you. He reaches up and grabs a CD out of like above where his uh, window visor is. He puts it in the CD player. His center console was not like a navigation. It was a DVD player, actually, and the music video for uh, Jungle Love comes on. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was amazing. Like, that was like his way of ingratiating himself with me, and it was amazing just driving through the streets of Peru, listening to OEO. I anticipated that story being a little bit more creepy so I keep (laughs) (laughs) I'll say this it was kind of creepy on my end because I hadn't heard from Pappy for a few days Mm. and like I was like trying to call from call him even like when he got back and like he wouldn't answer and I kind of got this weird faint text like I'll tell you about it later and I was like okay I think he's dead or someone has him kidnapped kind of worried and then he eventually called me one day he's like I almost died in Peru yeah the worst, like, food worst food poisoning. Worst food poisoning he's ever had in his oh, life. Food poisoning. <laughs> Dude, nothing was staying in. It was coming out both ends simultaneously. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I think it's Josh's turn. Josh, what would it cost you to stay in that neighborhood and his apartment? I think this is a good time to bring up that the way I view the movie, I don't think his apartment is as bad as shown it's on not, screen. It's not, but in his head, what would it cost you to stay there? Like, what's in his head? Okay, maybe this is another good time to bring up a question that Brett brought up, I think, on the In Bruges pod. He asked, how much would you have to be given to make, like, your choice is you get a lump sum of money or there's world peace. What would that lump sum of money have to be? And him and Film Dylan named actual numbers of money that they would accept in exchange for world peace. Did I not say lump sum? No, because it wasn't a question. Everyone had like a different question. Oh, it was like the bar stool. Like, when oh, yeah, the, he's yeah. like a billion dollars. I was like, 
Fuck, man. <laughs> Give me five mil. I'm good. What? Marg- no. Margarita's on no. the golf course all day. Retired. World Let's go. Peace is completely priceless. Please, if anyone is able to get this deal. No inner peace without a billion dollars. There's no amount of money that's worth more than world peace. And I think that like living in this apartment, hey, just give me free room and board. <laughs> what? I don't need a big bunch of cash for all these psychos to steal anyway. They're about to push their way in. So can we make a video and put it on YouTube <laughs> calls Josh stays in Skid Row for a week? <laughs> <laughs> I, in all honesty, I don't know what that number is, Stevie, to to like get me to live there but i think it's really interesting and something that i hope we get into more like what's real and what's not as we move along the plot i got you mikey what say you oh that's a tough one it looks like a nightmare but yeah there are things going on in this man's head that we don't know what all is real but from what we can see it looks like it takes five years off of his life so Mm. let's say like at least at least a hundred grand. Uh, I would. I would feel like he's dodging a lot of, a lot of knives and glass, <laughs> trying to survive. How much in exchange for world peace, though, Mikey? <laughs> oh, that number's going to have to be a lot higher. That's a that's a weird question, though. Can there How be much world would... peace? Seems kind of boring. I can make peace in my world. I can like make peace in my world with a billion. I mean, <laughs> I can make a peace in a lot of lives. <laughs> oh. Man, to stay in this apartment and neighborhood the way it's presented from Bo's point of view, which is the entire movie, I feel like I'd be in solitary and I wouldn't get much sleep. And I feel like it would have a real, real bad effect on my mental well being. Um, I'd say if I had to leave my family, go there for we can come back to my family just for them to put up with me. <sighs> at least two hundred grand, a quarter of a think mil. About this: if you just like stocked up with a bunch of water and like pops and snacks and just like, you know how he puts the couch in front of the door, like just leave it like that the whole week. No, dude, there's a brown oh. recluse spider no! walking around. Yeah, <laughs> looks right. like a man. Yeah, You're rough. not safe, yeah. and they could turn the water off at any time. <laughs> Happy, you and I are big Ari Aster fans, right? Oh, we've done all of his movies he's ever made. This is exciting. We're going mm-hmm. three for three so far in this brilliant director mm-hmm. who was given the keys to a Ferrari and drove it like, Ooh. A, like a Tesla on crack. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Dude, I was talking to Josh about that before. It's like Ari Aster made Hereditary. like one My of the, top five favorite movie of mine of all time. One of the most critically acclaimed A24 movies. He made Midsommar, which made like a gajillion dollars back mm-hmm. on its budget. And I was talking to Josh and it was like, think about like what most people do with that creative license. Like he could have made a Marvel movie. He could have made a Star Wars, but he chooses to make like the most inaccessible movie he can possibly <laughs> make. Like... <laughs> Marvel reference. Yeah, yeah. Be careful. If you mention Marvel, I will punish you by pressing the snap button. But you, you think twice. You know what I mean? Like I love Greta Gerwig and like she made Lady Bird and then she made Little Women and then she makes Barbie and now she's that's, making Chronicles of Narnia. Like she's making Narnia? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I mean I'm not saying it's like she's a sellout and like he's better for doing it, but it's like Damn, dude, you made the most expensive A24 movie and you made a three-hour <laughs> no, deeply the, personal You said it is super movie. inaccessible. It or, is. Or you said unaccessible. Unaccessible. I, <laughs> both, in and on. 
But it is not a very welcoming movie. I mean, Mikey, like, what's the first frames of, of this movie? How does it start? In the womb, and we are ripped out of the womb, and I think dropped on our head uh, from Bo's perspective as a as a baby, and then immediately slapped on the ass back to life because I think we were like flatlining or just not breathing or something as a baby uh, from Bo's perspective. Yeah, it's a really intense opening for kind of how insane this movie is. It's kind of, did you guys find out like kind of hard, like gut-wrenching at all or just hard to watch? Was the baby actually dropped for real? Yes. Yeah? Yes. I, don't, I couldn't really tell. And also I'm going to have like a lot of like questions of like details of this movie because it's three fucking hours. It's hard <laughs> to remember everything that happened. But I mean, it's painful to hear the mom screaming like that. Like she's clearly angry at the doctor who's like, oh, I didn't do anything. I No, I didn't drop him. Shit. Drop? No. (laughs) What a tone it sets for the movie when it kind of like, in a deadpan way, shows the baby's powdered ass and a quick spank. Yeah. It almost ends on like a little comedy beat, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it goes from a spank to a quick cut of Bo is afraid. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what am I getting into here? And then we get into craziness, which is... Pappy, what is the neighborhood we're dropped into? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier. This is like a very episodic movie, right? There's different huge chunks in this three-hour movie. This whole first part, I went in totally blind, and I was telling you this. Like, this made me, like, legitimately anxious, like, everything that was happening here in the world. And, like, Ari Aster's really good at that. I think on a second watch, as I was watching it back, like, right before I came over, it seems a little bit more funny. Um, I was, I felt like I was picking that up right from the get go. The funny when he yeah. when he like, well, just how over the top it is. It's mm-hmm. hard to take it truly serious. Mm-hmm. And there's moments in his movies, like in Hereditary, when um, what's the main character's name? Charlie Payman. <laughs> when Payman has Payman. killed his sister. <laughs> yeah. And he's like soaking in that grief and trauma and he doesn't tell his parents and he like waits till overnight. Mm -hmm. It's like that real humanness is what is the horror there. But in this particular instance, it's like so over the top. I felt like it's supposed to be unreal. So it wasn't as spooky as just like watching Payman rolling Mm -hmm. around in his bed. Well, that's yeah. I was saying telling someone that it's not a scary movie, but this part made me anxious in a lot of ways. Just like the way that it's filmed even sometimes. And like, I didn't know what kind of movie I was getting into, but like there are funny things like a kid just selling like AR 15s on the street (laughs) at one point. Like a lot of the signage is funny. Like I think one graffiti in his apartment is like, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Kill children! Yeah. Fuck the Pope! Like it's just like one it's man so is having his eyes gouged out for like forty-five minutes straight, or maybe it's like several days straight, just continual eye gouging. <laughs> and the guy doing it is looking straight up at Bo through the window, like from the street. <laughs> Every time he peeks out the window, he like nose glances up. Did you did you laugh at all in this beginning? Like one thing that got me like. This is more sad, but like when Bo is like, hi, dad. And the picture of his dad's just like this blurry, focus picture. <laughs> like it's kind of sad. And then when they were describing birthday boy stab man or whatever he's yeah. called, like uh, authorities have identified him as a circumcised white male. <laughs> circumcised white male is what cracked me up. Did you guys notice on that news broadcast, they had like the bottom line, like the lower third title 
but the homeless guy's dick was underneath that, just flopping around. <laughs> no. They could have easily framed it so it's like hidden by the lower third, but they're just letting it dangle. This is more a comedy than it is a horror movie. I would say it's closer to being that than like the other things that he's made. A lot of tension. Though. Well, I've seen it like on like the have best you... horror movies of the year list. It's like, dude, no, it's not. I think it depends on your upbringing. Mm. Have you guys seen Mother? Yeah. Yes. It's like the way it's directed reminds me of that movie. Just that movie is actually scary and anxious, anxiety inducing the entire gave time. Me really just, bad anxiety. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that movie. Yeah, makes me feel weird. <laughs> I've only seen it once, but it was a real. I mean, when you rip apart a newborn baby, watch. it's gonna it's gonna get yeah. anxiety. Um, <laughs> Snap. Well, that's like another thing too, because I remember Mother came out after it, like the week after it, and it was such as like this huge populist like. Uh, horror smash hit and the mother is like this another inaccessible bible allegory story and people were just like what the fuck like F letterbox loved it though letterbox yeah. loved it <laughs> well i feel like yeah people it's a really probably, good movie people would probably walk out of this being like what the fuck did i just see in a lot of ways you oh know I mean? the internet split the ratings for this movie are not so great that's why mm-hmm. i said there's a there's a fork in the road moment to where in my opinion dude, how you're going to receive the rest of the movies completely on what your childhood was or your upbringing and I think it affected a lot of people differently. And by a lot of people, I mean like 30% saw this probably as a really in-depth horror movie. And about 70% were just thinking like, this is a black comedy and absurd. And also, what the fuck did I just watch? Mm-hmm. I should say too, I watched the short film. What, you're not going to let him say what the inflection point is? What was the inflection point? <laughs> he didn't say. Okay. Yeah, I'll bring it up. I mean, it's kind of kind of slowly didn't do it, but I think the phone call from his mom when he said he slept in and was like, you know, my keys are in here. And if you listen to that phone call, that's the fork in the road of how you're going to take the rest of the movie. Hello? Hi, Mata. I'm sorry. Is mom there? Oh, sweetie. Yes, she's right here. Bo? Hi, mom. Hi, hi, Carrot. Are you at the airport? No, not yet. Are you on your way? Are you in the cab? No, How long Mom. is the cab ride? Mom, I, I don't want to worry you. I'm still on my way. But something, I don't know, I was up all night because my neighbor kept leaving notes underneath my door about noise, even though I didn't make any noise. And I overslept. And when I went to leave, I forgot something. I went back in. And, and then I came back out, and, and my, my key was stolen out of my door. Oh, my God. So where are you calling me from now? My apartment. What time is it? Isn't it 4.30? Yeah, I know. Baby, your flight is in an hour. I know, but Mom, my key got stolen out of my door. Mom? Mom? The thing about Ari Aster is... One, he makes the best looking fucking movies of anybody right now. Like I would yeah. say hands down, like aesthetically interesting, awesome, great use of color. The second thing is is that he gets amazing performances out of his actors. Like Florence Pugh, classic Scream Queen performance in Midsommar. <laughs> Tony Collette, biggest Oscar stub of my life for hereditary. <sighs> Dude. Yeah. Th- this Joaquin Phoenix performance is like very 
different than those, but I would say also equally amazing. Like his subdued out of it nature in this. Why is the phone call such a critical moment for you? Because like we just listened to it together. It's kind of boring maybe out of context. If you keep going through it though, you realize the relationship they have, which is not a conditional love, it's a transactional love. And I think that can affect people in a lot of different ways. Where like if someone didn't have a mom who like wasn't transactional like with their love, they would think this is just a normal phone call, but someone who did would just be like, oh, like I can I this is like an identifying marker point right here. Mm-hmm. And like the rest of the movie will unfold very differently for that person. Mm-hmm. Bo's mom, his will, mom was keeping him alive, right? She was paying for everything. That's why his cards were canceled and stuff. I mean, she owned the neighborhood. Yeah, that's why the water got shut off. <laughs> the name of the hangar was the Wasserman Terminal. Yeah, like, named after his mom, <laughs> the, the Waterman Terminal. <laughs> Again, calling into question what is actually supposed to be reality. I I get the picture. This is a dude just looking around at things so paranoid. It feels like his mom is on every corner, on every street corner, looking through every camera. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if there's like an answer to that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's like, I saw some people on the internet speculating being like, because Bo took the pills without the water, this new medication is like why he's seeing everything. That's like a dumb theory. That's lazy. That's not what this movie's like about. Like, there's probably like four times you could think that. At, for a while, I was yeah. thinking that when he got in the bathtub and it was like overflowing, it was like him drowning ish or having like a near death. Are you experience. doing? Are you Brigsby bearing Bo is afraid? No, <laughs> no. But I I do think that thing of like there's maybe a point in the movie where everything's now a dream or he, I think it's, he does smash his head like five times and the hitting the head as a baby is even one you could point to. I, I I don't, I think you're right. I don't think, but that's what frustrates a lot of people about this movie too. That's one thing I think was brilliant about this movie that Ari Aster did, which was we never got the straight man's point of view ever. Mm -hmm. We never got like Bo seeing, you know, who's the straightest man in this. The big penis monster. Nathan Lane is the straightest man. In this <laughs> Nathan movie. Lane is the straightest man for sure. My brother. Yeah. Um. But like, we never get that scene of Bo, you know, seeing the daughter drink paint and commit suicide. Where like in reality, she's just in the corner, you know, by herself. Right. Like we never get that point of view of like, okay, we're outside of Bo's mind. We're inside Bo's mind the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Wait, so what's an alternate reality for you? She doesn't drink paint. She actually is just lonely. She's just sitting there, yeah, in a corner. (laughs) But I don't think, I just don't think any of that was like Ari Aster's intention. Like there's not like an objective reality that's happening within the context of this movie. And this is the way that Bo's seeing it. Like this is just the movie. You know what I mean? That's not even like part of the discussion of like, at what point does it become a dream or like, yeah, it's like a David Lynch answered. movie. Yeah, when when everything's just weird, you know what I mean. He just made a everything's weird just universe. fluid. Yeah, yeah. We never hit that concrete wall. Mm-hmm. So how would you paint, knowing that this is a first person perspective of someone who's probably like psychotic or having a mental breakdown or episode or something? In my opinion, the general arc is that he has a looming visit with his mother. Right. And he possibly commits suicide at the end. Between 
those two points, I feel like it's kind of a coin toss to what you see on the screen if it's something in physical reality or not. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't even know if he like commits suicide. I think like within the objective reality of the movie, he's in a boat that like squishes up. Like that's actually, <laughs> like, that's just that just is what happens. Um, what's interesting, I watched the short film and the beginning, like the phone call that you're talking about, Stevie, is like one for one, the short film. Like that that whole sequence yeah. is just seven minutes of that, including young Ari Aster's the guy who goes, you're fucked, pal, as he runs by. Like that guy was funny too, but it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So you said transactional love, mm-hmm. a lot of guilt in there too, right? Yeah, just kind of, you know, there's not that conditional like underlying love that a mother should have for their son. It's very transactional which is you do this for me i reciprocate it with love but you don't do this for me and i turn my back on you it's Mm -hmm. that's i could see how Bo ended up the way he is with a mom like that which that makes sense to me is like that's what this movie is about but then it it takes these like violent turns of these different like things that happen right the whole nathan lane um holly from the office what's her real name i forget amy ryan amy ryan like that's not really the same thing, you know, that's happening. Mm-hmm. There, it's, like, different. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a taxing on the brain, I'd say, uh, just to watch that part. But I kind of want to ask Mikey this question. Mikey, how do we get to Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan in the yeah. first place? <laughs> yeah, Bo running outside. Uh, uh, what is he trying to do? He's trying to get... What is he... He's not trying to get water anymore. Uh, I think he's just running out of the apartment. Uh, but he is like confronted by birthday boy stabber. What's his name? Pap? Birthday boy stabber. Birthday man. boy ki- <laughs> stabber. <man. laughs> and like he's running away from him. Uh, and then he's confronted by a cop because he's also naked. Oh yeah, he was taking a shower or a bath or whatever. So he uh, is birthday boy stab man at that point, right? He's naked out in the street. Getting stabbed. Trying not stabbing. to get shot by a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. <laughs> That's <a> hilarious. <laughs> Confrontation between those two. Uh, and then he runs away, and then he gets hit by a car uh, trying to run away by Holly from the office. Um, <laughs> then we get, like, a flashback that, like, he was getting stabbed by a birthday boy stab man while he was, like, knocked out after that. That was a pretty gruesome hand hand scene that he's uh, hand wound that he sustains. Uh, getting stabbed with like an ice pick or something by that guy. Uh, uh, he's too poor for an ice pick. It's just standard, <laughs> just shank. We're in Skid Row, boys. They can't afford ice picks. Yeah. He doesn't. I guess yeah. he doesn't have a cloth on his back, Mikey. <laughs> he doesn't have an. And ice then pick. they like scrape him off the sidewalk and like take him to their house, and then that's how he ends up with them. Now, Josh, now that we've forced Gumped along into this mm. new reality, where are we? Like, what's kind of going on in the story here? Um, we're in, like, suburbia, basically, in America. He is... Uh, this is a little nicer in suburbia. That house is legit. Much different neighborhood. Yeah, this is... Mm-hmm. These are multi-multi-millionaires. Bo is in an upper-class... Uh, it's a suburb. I don't think they're, like... I think it's an East Coast, well-to-do area. I think it's supposed to be in New Jersey, maybe. I don't know. Um, but he's living with a family suddenly. And he's, like, an adopted son. But he's also, like, 55 years old. <laughs> yeah. And there's another adopted son already there living out in a trailer. His name is Jeeves. 
and he's <laughs> an ex-soldier with severe PTSD. He's a very frightening character at times. Um, we'll get into that later, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But basically, CV, to answer your question, he's like living with a family, and he is very dazed about like why he's here because he's experienced severe injuries and head trauma, and he's not really sure what's going on with his mom because something we skipped is he tries to call his mom after the phone call that we played and he and his mom doesn't answer but good old bill Hader answers instead (laughs) there's this really awkward conversation because um bill Hader has answered the phone because he happens to be standing near a decapitated woman's body (laughs) And her phone started ringing, so he answered it. And he's just, here's my favorite bit about that. And I wish I had pulled this clip, but I didn't. Two times when they show him, when it's live, like when Bo meets him, and also when Bo is like watching the TV channel, Bill Hader says the same thing. I wouldn't have come in if it weren't for the barking dogs, the open door, and the terrible smell. <laughs> yeah. And then they show him again. Well, I wasn't going to come in except for the barking dogs and the terrible smell and the open doors. <laughs> I don't know. I found that to be very funny. And Bill Hader with his like back turned towards you with just like a quick glance. Did you guys catch it? Yeah. Yeah. I rewound it to check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And that scene's kind of like eye opening too, like what we're even dealing with. Cause it's like we're dropped into a movie where a dude's in like skid row who's nearly schizophrenic, and a guy's talking about how his mom got crushed by a chandelier. Yeah. Chandeliers, like, aren't in everyday houses, mm-hmm. especially with people that live in, like, halfway houses in Skid Row. And a chandelier that would actually have the heft to decapitate. To de- decapitate you. My parents, the lo- you know, Jeff and Joni, we had, like, a little chandelier. If that thing came down, you might have to get three or four stitches tops. <laughs> okay. I like when Bo makes it to the house and it's like, here lies Mona, <laughs> where she was hit by the chandelier. It shows the dent in the yeah. floor. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get back to the Nathan Lane part, though, Stevie? Like, this whole part reminded me of The Guest. Remember that movie? Um, with the dead soldier? With uh, Dan Stevens? Yeah, where it's like the soldier died and it's like the the guy's kind of like filling the void of the dead soldier. Um, Josh ran off to go pee, by the way. Uh, I hope he knows everything's out. (laughs) Freak my daughter out. (laughs) It feels like a totally different, like they're dealing with different shit. Like like, the whole like Joaquin relationship with his mom is more about like guilt and the pressure put on the mom. This here like, is a different kind of love. And like the, the way that they like abuse the daughter too, right? Like they just ignore the daughter. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Mike, you, you can weigh in this too. The way I took, I mean, as I said, I think everyone's going to, you know, a hundred thousand people could watch this movie. And, you know, at the end, the movie theater could ask you, Hey, what was this movie to you? You'd have a hundred thousand different answers. That's how I took this movie. But in this scene, I took it as like love is also trust. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like showing that Bo has a real difficult time trusting people. And at the end he's proven right because Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan both turn their back on him after the daughter commits suicide in front of him. And there's no longer that trust. That's the way I saw this sequence at least. Yeah. Like the parents were clearly trying to fill a void of their dead son, but why with, 
Bo. I don't know, other than he's just a man, like their son is. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why they were trying to use. I. I mean, they had Jeeves, but like he's not all there, so he's not much. He's just kind of like a dog that they send out. Um, and Bo just kind of caught in the middle of it. Uh, doesn't want to be in that position, and yeah, has to confront the little sister. Uh, even though he's not intentionally doing anything to to get between them, is Jeeves the dad from um, Inglorious Bastards at the beginning? This guy, Stevie, the French guy. Yeah, no way. I think that's the here's him with a beard. Isn't that the dad from like at the very first scene of Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, that's him. Isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah, I didn't catch that at first. Like he looks totally different. Well, that was what thirteen years ago now, fourteen yeah. years ago. So yeah, he's like got shaved head, yeah, shaved beard, and everything. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think part of the trust is too is like they literally put like an ankle monitor on <laughs> Bo. You know what I mean? And like. I don't know, Stevie, Josh, you're both dads. Like, I think one thing that Bo's mom instilled in him that really fucked him up was like kind of a fear of the world. You know what I mean? And at some yeah. point, you have to kind of like let your kid go out there and eat the equator and not worry about the razor blade inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> eat the chocolate fountain and not be scared of the cancer causing chemicals in it. I mean, Josh, you have more Eyes. children than I do. Do you feel that way? Uh, I don't know if this story relates or not. You tell me. But tonight, I said a cuss word accidentally in front of my two oldest. It wasn't a big deal. I was telling them a funny story anyway. It was shit. And I was like, oops, that was a cuss word. I meant poop. <laughs> and then I was like, do you know the cuss words? And they really didn't. I was going to like ask them to tell me like what they were. Yeah, that would have been that, amazing and, if they got like a, a George Carlin bit. <laughs> I thought that would have been like pretty funny if they like started saying what they thought they were, but since they didn't know them, I I just kind of left it alone and maybe that kind of relates like you can let your kids be naive too and let them just be kids, I guess. The other thing is too is this is like an extreme example with, with um Bo's mom and his relationship with her. It's this I, I see a similar theme in Hereditary which is control. Yeah. Bo is never in control the entire movie. None of the choices are his, mm-hmm. and because of his mom, is it's why he end up. It's why he's ended up the way he is because he has never made a decision in his life, mm-hmm. and we never see it either. He mm-hmm. ne- never makes a decision. Yeah, well, except for when he's like in that dream sequence, mm-hmm. you know. And there's multiple times when he's walking down that path, and there will be a distinct fork in the road, and he just confidently like picks one way and yeah. walks down it, and he learns a trade and does all this shit. It's like that's what his life. Could have been had he not been fucked up by his mom. Like, or he the didn't. dream sequence is awesome. It looks so it's cool. It's a great scene. It's the, it's awesome. Before we get into the dream sequence in the woods, is Nathan Lane everybody's favorite character? No. Oh, dude, he's mine. He <laughs> cracked me up the entire time. He seems like more sinister, very than Grace. Uh, like Grace tries to like tell Bo what's going on at one point, right? Like. You get out of this shit. Quit. She writes a note saying, "Quit implicating yourself." Yeah, <laughs> incriminating or incriminating yourself. Okay, there you go. And she tells him to go to Channel Seventy Eight, which is his life. 
that he can rewind and fast forward <laughs> through. I don't have much proof for this, but one of the impressions I got when watching was that like Bo's living this fantasy and then certain people are like maybe visiting him in real life and they're kind of cutting through a little bit. Um, that guy that said he knew his dad, you could picture that being guy coming and visiting visiting a hospital or a mental ward. Hey, I knew your dad. I just want to see how you're doing. And you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough on screen to say that my, like that theory is true at all. But that just goes to show like, that's the mindset this movie put me in. At least I'm always kind of trying to figure out where Bo is. Well, what's weird is like Nathan Lane and Grace Holly from the office. They like are in that, um, what do you call it, like a mosaic when all the little pictures make one mm-hmm. big picture? Of, Everybody's in there. Yeah, all like the tattoo guys in there. Yeah, Jeeves is in there. So it's like naked uh, birthday stab man's in oh, there. Oh, that's a cult, isn't it? I don't know. It's like <laughs> some sort of work cult. Oh, like Amway? Yeah. <laughs> or, um... We'll have to bleep that out. <laughs> no, it is. I got family that works for Amway. Dude. Oh, I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a pallet in your garage of stuff you're never going to sell? I'm not selling any. Okay, that's good. They have given us some free stuff, just some good. samples. We're like, what's it's that? It's always so random. What's that one that um, the Hispanic community loves? Is like Nutrisystem, or uh, it's like a complete scam. Oh, I don't you know, know what I'm talking about. But yeah, Herbalife. Herbalife. There we go. Thank you, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> what's what? What about the when the daughter drinks paint? Like that felt. That's like, the one I can't figure out. I can't crack it. That is such an Ari Aster thing. Like that is such an Ari Aster death. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that feels like the people falling off the cliff in Midsommar, like getting their heads smashed, or like the girl getting decapitated. You know what else Bruce. is Ari Aster about that? Too real. Is that of a movie? Bo Bo is afraid is a pretty scary movie. There's a lot of <laughs> scary, intense things in it. There's there's the humor, but overall, I think it's a scary tone. The scariest single motherfucker in here is this high school girl and her friend Dude. in the car, forcing Bo to do stuff. Uh, constantly videotaping him so or yeah. recording him. Yeah. It is so creepy, those scenes. Those are some of the low points, I feel like, for Poe in this. I don't know if... That's a very generational thing, though. Because it's brought up in the beginning, too, where that young dude's like, oh, yeah, we're trying to get this guy to jump off the building. And he's, like, recording him. Then you go to, like, those uh, those girls and they're recording Bo and just shitting on the entire time. It's like, there's a little commentary here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's, like in line with like what the rest of the movie is trying to say. And if I was like, I don't know if this movie needs to be shorter or not. (laughs) It's three fucking hours. I would say that this could be a place to potentially trim some fat. Like to me, like the only reason the weed sequence is in there is to like lead Bo into the dream sequence of the flashback on the boat. You know what I mean? He smokes that joint and then it's like he trips off into the boat. Like I, I'm with you, Steve. I don't get like what the point of the daughter is unless we can't crack it. We're just seeing like in another type of abusive relationship with a parent where they're like ignoring the daughter. Mm-hmm. I think they're. I think this is where this movie is fun and makes the mind wander. Though I think I was envisioning, if I was being asked the Stevie question, like what does this all mean? I feel like Bo, maybe at some point during his life, did live with a different family, and something horrific happened or he envisioned he he felt like something horrific happened so these are his like memories of that playing out 
uh, I, I, we see that come up a lot, especially at the end of the movie when he's like getting judged and there's literal surveillance footage <laughs> of different portions of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know though. It could just be uh, some people speculating online that this movie is literally about a psychotic mom who fakes her own death, has a ton of money and goes through these extreme lengths to take her son through this like Truman show esque. Wait, 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 wait. Epic. Like Nathan Lane hired to do all of this, like hit him on purpose, put him through. Presumably. Birthday boy stab man hired. A lot of the surveillance they have is from their house. Like the key moment of that we played for the spoiler where they have that conversation, Mm -hmm. which can we talk about that? Yeah. Because there's some really interesting parts about that conversation. If we're talking about Nathan Lane, number one is that, this movie ma- the movie making here is awesome. I want to know what you think about this so much, Stevie. But Nathan Lane asks him a question and the answer in like he's like, So we can wait till tomorrow, right? Huge long pause. And I don't know if you guys had CCs on, but yeah. he mumbles under his breath, How did I even get here? <laughs> and Nathan Lane just continues the conversation as if he said, Okay. Yeah. And it's unnerving when it happens but like thinking about it it is really funny <laughs> i don't know the nathan lane segments just cracked me up so much we're having a barbecue today <laughs> and he's just so giddy about it and he's yeah. like talking about pork ribs and shit and i just yeah. i love that line where bo's talking about leaving and he's like you gotta get some serious rest my brother yeah. <laughs> it's just a line that's just out of nowhere and that's like the most it's one of the few moments in this movie when i was watching i just lost it I have that whole clip if you guys want to hear I it. I want to hear yeah, it. Play it's it. it's kind of long. Maybe we can take a little bit of a rest here in person. Yeah. Play yeah. Clip. yeah. Play okay. Clip. Emergency surgery. Carl Oberst split his head open. <gasps> One of my oldest patients. Oh, God. Well, I can't miss work today. It's all hands on deck. Oh, my gosh, Carl. I know. Good old Carl. Okay, okay. Mmm. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Bo, this is going to take a while. I don't know if today's going to happen. Okay. What do you mean? I want to say tonight, but I already pushed this morning's surgeries to tomorrow. But... If I pull them all back to this afternoon, <laughs> we could blast off tomorrow morning. No, but I have to go today. I, I, I have to leave the way, my mother. That's where they show that nasty gash in his See? side. Ah. <gasps> you aren't healed, my dude. <laughs> Not to mention. Maybe there's a way. Since you're busy... Maybe I can I can fly. I can fly and I can pay you back when I get my credit card. It isn't about the money, Bo. You can't fly with your wounds. The air pressure will rip you wide open. Maybe I can take a bus. I can take a bus. Can I take a bus? Can Listen a for this or, long or, pause or coming up. Bo, we're responsible for you. Driving you home is the absolute least we can do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry, but I have to go today. I have to go today. I don't want to impose. I don't want to. Going tomorrow won't be an imposition. It'll be my pleasure. Okay. Okay. 
Is it bone? Don't just say that. This is your decision. Thanks, pal. You're a trooper. Sorry for the curveball, Bo. Wait, don't you just ditch me up? I love everything that man's in. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> I fucking love Nathan Lane. Timon himself. The two killers from Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. Can we talk about the, the boat scene as well? There's something going on in this movie. The, I'm talking about the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. scene that he has in that flashback there's something going on with water boats like that kind of representing freedom like a better time with him like he has bad flashbacks of being in the tub it's like bad water he dies in the end in a boat in the very beginning in skid row there's a kid playing with a like a paper boat yeah. and the mom like yanks him away and it's like i told you to come over here blah, 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 blah. like and like i don't know exactly what's happening on this boat but there's like a lot of like weird Ari Aster sexual energy also happening. You know what I mean? Like it's like this is like his first crush and it didn't go the way he wanted it to and he was traumatized by that or something. It's it's very weird. Is this like a reverse Oedipus Rex? Maybe. His mom's in the bed with him for fuck's sake. Like That's it's weird too. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a tad yeah. strange. And especially like it's not like Bo was like two or three years old this time as a toddler. It's like about to hit puberty any second here. Yeah, like 15. They were like fully clothed and everything, but just like the way she's like kind of cuddled up against him, it's like bedside manner. Right? Weird. Yeah. Yeah. There's even another scene where she's like right on top of him where like the light is shining in her face, all those different colored lights or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like talking face to face. I think she's like right on top of him. In the bed. That's when she's telling the story of how his quote dad died, unquote. <laughs> which is like she's imprinting a lot of like sexual shame on him too. Like the story is he died after he orgasmed, basically, and the same thing will happen to you. And his father before him and his, <laughs> his father. father before him. <laughs> yeah. I actually have that clip. Here we go. You know, it's been three years since the last time you That's not it. That's David Letterman. Oh yeah. <laughs> that one's Joaquin quits acting. Maybe we can get to that. Quote, unquote, unquote. All right, here's the quote we're we're looking for. He died on our wedding night. The same night you were conceived. He died the very instant you were conceived. How? By finishing. Holy shit, I'm gonna come. And there's yeah. also a scene with like the housekeeper too in the exact same spot, but he loves the housekeeper. I forget her name. Um Martha? I think Martha. Mm-hmm. And he's like, even on the even on the cruise ship, he's like, I love Martha. And his mom's like, You love Martha? Like there's some jealousy happening. What do you there. mean you love Martha? She's my friend. <laughs> the implication. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you guys. I just kind of want to throw it out there. What happened in like the bathtub scene when he was younger? I feel like there's like something that we're just never going to see fully. But what do you guys like think? Because apparently there's there's a huge bit of trauma there. Whatever happened in that bathtub scene, 
or like in the bathroom where his mom's like, I'm not fucking with you tonight. Like what happened there? First question, are both little boys Bo? Yes. It's Bo looking at Bo? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. I mean, <laughs> I actually, I, I think there maybe is a non-nefarious answer because clearly it's set up to be kind of sexual. He's in a bathtub. Like mm-hmm. someone's going to like do something to his balls to make them all swollen later or something. <laughs> Those are grapefruit. <laughs> is that because he's never came? Like, is that yeah. what causes that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's what, what the movie's saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's you what would actually happen. God. Oh, gosh. What were we just talking about? The what? bathtub. What happened in the bathtub? Okay. I think he probably made a stand to truly figure out who his father was in that bathtub. And that's where this whole like mental break and snap comes from, where like a piece of him is locked up in an attic or something. Maybe he was locked up in the attic for like a day and like freaked the fuck out or something. Like a lot of different ways that could have played out, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The attic is almost like the mom pushing things away that she doesn't want to deal with, right? You know what I mean? Like Bo in that moment, like the big penis monster dad. Yeah. <laughs> Which, what did you guys take that to mean? Spell, what are we talking about here, Stevie? Okay. Yeah. So we'll hop to this part, but I still want to go back to the woods and talk about the dream yeah, sequence. Definitely. But we can just um, tease the giant penis for later. That's a great bookmark. Okay. Let's let's stick around where we should be. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I think this was very intentional. I think this is probably the most brilliant part, like the heavy lifting directing part of the movie, where Ari Aster was like in his element. It's probably what got the movie greenlit, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got lost in that play sequence where Bo's life took a completely different turn. Mm-hmm. And we go through this huge animation and you have the narration going over it. And Joaquin Phoenix, this movie does not work unless you have an actor that commits 100%. Mm-hmm. It does not work one iota unless you have an actor that's willing to kind of go on that lines of serious acting and simple jack. There's a fine line. Between Oscar and Simple Jack. Yeah. There really is. There's a tightrope you got to walk. And I thought Joaquin Phoenix, I don't know you guys, I thought he just nailed it out of the park in this dream sequence where he saw what his life could have been. Yeah, Joaquin's the man. He's having a big year. Napoleon coming out later this year. Do you guys care if I keep just throwing out these alternate theories for the movie? Go ahead. Because I feel like that's what this movie is almost like built for. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like this part of the movie was making me think that like Joaquin Phoenix did have a family and forgot that shit from some sort of like Parkinson's. Part of me was holding on to that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. About that. And that's like, yeah. I think we move past that as the movie goes along, but that's the mood I was getting here. Like it's such a heartbreaking scene, right? He meets his three sons that he hasn't seen since they were babies. Mm-hmm. He's hugging his little boys. <sighs> this shit was all over the trailers too. Like they know this is the best looking shit of the whole movie. Like this is like what they showed the, in the trailers. I, thought I remember like, that. Yeah. What this movie is going to be like more. Who's that oldest son? I don't know. You know who I love though? I love the ladybug guy smoking <laughs> a heater, working the, <laughs> the sound <laughs> thing, and he like pulls the gun. Yeah, he was packed. <laughs> he was ready to go. Out of the hole. <laughs> giving brett (laughs) (laughs) that would have been a good time to test the dueling soundboards mikey oh here we can try 
I don't know what to make of the dream sequence. I think it looks cool. I don't know how it fits into like the larger story, like at all, at all, at all. Like it's it's part of it's like a rewind, right? And clearly, the dog who is sent after him is Jeeves. Jeeves, yeah. Like that's that's pretty straightforward. I don't. I the great no flood idea. is his mom. Okay, expound. Maybe mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. <clears throat> so this whole movie is based on water, which is Bo is either gonna he's either gonna dehydrate without the water. Or he's gonna drown with it. Must take with water. The There's pills. no balance. So thirsty in Bo's life with water, mm. which is, I think, a great representation of his mom. So when the lady in the narration is like, you know, a great flood destroyed your home and separated you from your family, it's almost like saying your mom is the reason why, or if you did, why you no longer see your family anymore, or why you know you are the way you are in life, and. I think like him cutting off that chain in that play was him probably just cutting off from his mom. Mm-hmm. But I was, I really liked what Josh was saying. I was really holding on to a moment where we were actually going to get a little bit of closure that Bo did have a family. Like he actually did have three sons. I would kind of like to have seen that, but I understand why we don't because this is Bo's brain. This isn't mm-hmm. like, we never see the straight man's eye. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he look like possibly Joaquin Phoenix's character? He could have had a family eight years ago. But for the last seven, he's been stuck in this alternate reality trip. But he's I kinda, been losing it. Yeah, and he's just forgotten about him. So it's literally like a rift in time between him and his family and his mind. Like he he didn't even know he had his son, so he forgot about it. He forgot illness. that he had an orgasm at one point, and he thought he's it's like literally never. <laughs> Those <laughs> balls have never busted. Okay, <laughs> those grapefruits yeah. are ready to go. <laughs> I've never seen a side shot of like testicles like that that you get at the beginning of the movie. It's like I've never seen that in a movie before. <laughs> but like one reason to <laughs> profile shot. Yeah. <laughs> I love the It's hard to get a pro- most testicles aren't even like the right shape and size to get a profile shot, I think. There has to be a certain girth to it to even <laughs> achieve the physics necessary. I mean, how does he even walk around with those things? I mean, run. Good God. Sweatpants every day. Part of the plot is he can't travel quickly to a funeral because his balls are so big. They're impeding his traveling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One reason I thought, though, this sequence did a lot of heavy lifting, though, (coughs) is you go from this really beautiful kind of melancholy story with animation and, you know, heavy lifting acting to straight up like Forrest Gump leaving Vietnam. He just walks out it, of the woods. Yeah, you have yeah. like you have um, his supposed dad exploding against a tree. You have ladybug ladybug guy pulling out a gun. You have yeah. Bo flying. You have gun, you know bullets flying by him. It was actually kind of a beautiful shot. I like how the first guy he kills Jeeves when he comes in. It's the guy playing Bo on screen. Yeah. So he yeah. he thought it was Bo probably, and he just jacks him with a knife, like right in the heart. Dead. This guy on guy on the stage goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> the, that one the guy that's just hanging, is hanging there by the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Get me down. <laughs> what is the deal with that guy? Who's like maybe his dad, maybe he's not. Um, he seems to think he, he. I don't know. I kind of believe him when he says that he. Like fed the dad and cleaned up after the dad, but his parents were in debt to his mom. Like, mm-hmm. like what? I don't know. Josh, any theories on that guy? Like, who the fuck is that? Strange man, as he's known on IMDb. 
Mm. Strange. At the point that he came in on in the movie, it made me think like he's like an uncle figure, and the closest thing maybe that Joaquin knew to a dad. So maybe that's kind of like the face he imposes upon dad in his mind. I, I, I don't know. That thing's weird. Like, it's just a weird plot point, right? And then he gets grenade exploded too. But oh, well, this plays into the giant penis to me. And I just want to say this next point: there's a giant penis monster in the attic. Huge reveal. It's a bunch that plays out with it, like getting stabbed and creepy voice too. Growling, really creepy voice. When I was looking up what people thought this meant, the the deepest thing people said is like the dad was a literal dick, and this represents that. But for me, with how like ugly and gross and like put away it was, it seemed like something representing rape in the past. Did you guys feel that? This is in fun. Your this gut? is a fun part of the movie. What I took it was is all Bo knows about his dad is that he was a dick and balls. Like but that that's part, his had to only have connection to his father whatsoever, because he doesn't know his dad. His only connection to his dad is that there were dick and balls biologically. Mm. That's his only connection to his dad. So like, and that if he comes, he he'll die. Yeah, just like his dad. <laughs> so if his are that big, by the time yeah. his dad is like ninety, they're gonna be getting real. So that's how I took how Bo <laughs> saw his dad was that he that doesn't know his face, he doesn't know his body, he doesn't know his voice. All he knows is that he was a dick and balls that produced him. See, the way I took it was. A24 went to Ari Aster and said, we're going to give you the most money we've ever given anybody. <laughs> and he said, okay, I'm going to build a giant practical penis <laughs> monster. <laughs> and when they did, he called his agent and said, oh, shit, <laughs> these guys are for real. I can do whatever I want. Like, that's excessive. I, I, that's, I mean, it's awesome. It's like one of the coolest parts of the movie, but like, I, think I can't believe they did that shit. <laughs> that works in a two-hour movie. Not in a three-hour movie. The most common criticism of like, because I looked at like a lot of like letterbox reviews and IMDb and just like critics in general, and like a lot of people said like the first two hours were awesome. They lost, they got lost in the last hour. Like that was like the most common review that I saw. Did you guys feel that at all with like the last little bit? I don't know if that's just no. fatigue. I honestly think, yeah, but that is fatigue thing. I. My critique on the three hours is there's so many scenes where Joaquin Phoenix's action leading up to what actually happens in the scene is so slow and drawn out. Yeah. There's one time where he's like ducked behind a couch and he's slowly <laughs> peeking out. And I think it's like 46 seconds. Jeez. Like, I, I think there's enough of those times you just tighten all of them up a little bit. Um, I'm not a major director like Ari Aster, though, so I got to imagine <laughs> that when he was doing this movie and just indulging himself, he's watching these and like trying to do like maximum tension um, and maximum milking maybe of Joaquin's like acting performance, too, which it's hard to blame him for that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you kind of brought that up, which Ari Aster does, I think, indulge himself a lot in this movie, but like... If there's two directors I love, which I think are the best with music they'll ever be in cinema, it's Tarantino and Scorsese. Those guys know how to really place music in a film and how to like companion it with the actual piece. I think Ari Aster is the best action on-screen director I've ever seen, which is like stuff happening, either it's in the background, you know, on frame, off frame. I think that stuff really works. 
So I could kind of see him just being like, this really works. Even though like in our brains, it's like, does it need to be this long? I get it. Mm-hmm. Why do we hate a long movie so much? Is it po- is it partially just because like we're doing a podcast every week, so it's like we have to watch it, <laughs> and we got that almost like assignment mentality? Because I feel like, man, if it's good, you want it to be longer. And I really like this movie, so we've talked about this like three or four times now. So I I don't know. Maybe it's I don't know. <laughs> How great was it what Ari Aster did to us at the end, though? The very end? With yeah. the audience leaving? And the... Dude, that's brilliant. Like, he yeah. <laughs> he literally made the like people viewing it part of the movie. Like, it's pretty neat. I just really wish I could have seen this in theaters, because I feel like... I, I mean, I cheated in the sense that, like, I paused it a couple times. I went up to get a drink or a snack. You know what I mean? Like... To lock yourself. I left to go get a haircut. <laughs> I had to come back. <laughs> this play on IMAX screens, like to lock yourself in a room with Bose afraid for three hours and just look at it, I feel like that would be a totally different experience. Like you would be tired after going on this big journey, but I think that's the way he wants you to feel, you know? All of us here have seen Ari Aster's movies, right? We've all seen Midsommar. We've all seen Hereditary, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys feel like the dread was missing in this movie? It's not a horror movie, though, you know? like Dread doesn't have to be horror, though. I mean, I feel like that's one thing that's common in Ari Aster's films that really worked is even if it's not a scary movie, like there's still an underlying dread there that mm-hmm. kind of propels you or keeps you on your seat. You and I feel like, like dread, though. Oh, I love it. <laughs> on screen, I There's love it. definitely stuff he should be afraid of in his world, but, I mean, to us, it's all coming off as comedic, like that guy gouging that other man's eyes out, but we get to see him staring at Bo through the window, and it just comes off as comedy to us. But Also, the thing we've been joking about the most, his giant balls. Like, if you woke up one day and your balls were 12 times the size <laughs> they should be, that would be very concerning. You could lose them. I would dread that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> like the body horror in this movie is actually pretty dreadful, I feel like, Stevie. Like he he keeps getting like more sores added to him. It's a very unflattering look for walking throughout his that. face at the end walking out of the house like oh my god dude that face was like what i miss <laughs> yeah he and parker posey are supposedly like the same age within the movie and he's aged like 100 years more he looks fantastic for 54 yeah. 56 i enjoyed all of her scenes yeah <laughs> <And> parker posey <laughs> i don't know like I wouldn't say it was missing dread. Honestly, like I, I like the ending conceptually, right? Yeah. With the people leaving. But I would say, like of the three movies, the three features, it's like the least climactic, sticking the ending moment. Like 
Hereditary. You got the fucking shrine in the treehouse with the music <laughs> playing. That's fucking awesome. Midsummer. You got Florence. Burning Pugh, of the bear. Burning of the bear and like the flower thing. Like you know, like her face. It just ends on her face and the music swelling. So you want him to become M Night Shyamalan? I'm not saying I need a twist. I'm saying like. No, no those but it's like his thing. this is the least cool. I'm not ending. saying he has to have a twist, but you you want. <sighs> you think we're boxing him by that? Yeah. yeah, you're saying if it doesn't have that similar tone ending, then you're gonna be like disappointed. It's going in the complete. He's he's zagging hard, right? He's just having a quiet shot where it's like, well, when do I leave? You know, yeah, just hanging on that for a long time. <laughs> what are people leaving the theater? So it's, I mean, like I said, he's trying to make. The most unaccessible movie <laughs> of all time. I think there's a really good question to have, though. And it's, does Bo commit suicide at the end? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's captioning there that suggests a gun goes off or something, right? There's like a metallic thud that is captioned. Hearing his mom is the only thing that made me think like, Something happened. There's an odd motif of the motor going crazy on the boat he's on, too. And what kills him? Is that like a bear trap or something? That I rewound it. It's just like, like Pappy said, the boat just squishes him up, squishes him, squishes him down. It just collapses on him. It like flips and traps him under, presumably. I have no idea. It kind of shakes for a minute as if there's like a struggle beneath mm-hmm. the water. But anyone who's been under a canoe knows you can just put your head up in that like little space. There's like a bunch of air there. Mm. What's he doing? It, it's I don't I don't know. I almost got the sense that like Ari yeah <laughs> Ari Astra had a few exit ramps, right? Like you could <laughs> you could have almost ended the movie when he chokes out his mom. You could have almost ended the movie with him just sailing off happily into the water, but which th- he was happy for a brief moment there i caught mm-hmm. that pappy yeah the, it was so like you hadn't seen it in his eyes the entire time it was like whoa yeah the boats are wider something going on there but like this whole like inquisition and fucking richard kind showing Dude. up <laughs> it's so amazing actually <laughs> that was really brilliant at placing these people that like I love on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seeing Nathan Lane and Richard Kind in the same movie of a three-hour epic on crack, by the way, mm-hmm. was just simply brilliant. Mm-hmm. But the, and there's things revealed in that part. Some of it is like a re, not a rehashing, but like a relitigating of his actions right in the movie. Like he could have left earlier and that kind of thing. This is how I picture heaven, by the way. Like that's how like that's how I picture heaven before I get in a big auditorium. It's like God takes me to film. I was like, what were you thinking here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's God as a prosecutor, and then there's like this little tiny defend, like, yeah. public defender. Yeah. Thrown off on a rock. He gets midsummered. He, he does, does get yeah. midsummered. Mm-hmm. I freaking love the way that public defender was like chiming in to the <laughs> best so of his ability. Away. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he had heart. <laughs> you can barely hear him. <laughs> But like I said, some of it's like things he did in the movie, like not leaving when he could have right away to go see his mom. But some of it's like things we hadn't seen, like his friends smelling his mom's panties. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those are whole elements of guilt that we hadn't even really addressed. But it's so silly. Yeah. <laughs> like 
I get that his mom probably would have gotten like super mad at that because it's like kind of like a fucked up thing to do. But from like a wide perspective in a movie going audience, you see panty sniffing. That's like funny. The panty raid SpongeBob episode now banned from Nickelodeon. As well, it should. <laughs> I actually have um, the clip of what happened on Bo's ninth year, the 48th day of his ninth year, as told by uh, our, our prosecutor here at the end. Mm-hmm. Here it is. By all indications, he has a healthy, functioning conscience. He just chose to ignore it. Consider the following episode. Day 49 of his ninth year. He goes shopping with his mother. At one point, she lost him. Or so she thought. Fearing the worst, she panics. She searches the building. She cries out for the boy who was, in fact, hiding behind a corner, watching the whole thing. My client was genuinely lost. He was upon finding his mother, seeing her frantic state that he hesitated for fear of punishment. It was in this frantic state of mind that his mother tripped and fell, tearing ligaments in her knee and badly harming her ankle. And still, the subject did not intervene. He was afraid! (laughs) The public defender is so well-spoken. He's doing his best. (laughs) As he's trying to give Midsommar onto a rock. (laughs) He needs medicine, my lord. He's way too far from the mic. If he did commit suicide, Joaquin Phoenix, I think this is his conscience at the very last end of its rope. It's that little public defender way off in the distance, just kind of shouting. Oh, that was a real part. I, I mean, I'm happy that we got the public defender of it because that is kind of a real thing where kids are scared of like getting in trouble. Yeah. Where it's like it makes perfect sense for him to like keep hiding. And I feel like that that tells a lot about his mom, right? Like the mom would then blame him for the leg injuries she sustained you know as she was shouting yeah. like that would be like guilt she would put on him that mm-hmm. he would internalize and let him to be the exact person he is throughout this whole movie and it's also in a movie that you're dreading like a sexual assault or some sort of like really bad trauma this is just like actually a really normal thing to happen yeah like get lost in a market that could have been our opening question when did you get lost as a kid Probably I all got a story. Three in McAllen, Texas, in a mall. Mm-hmm. They had to lock down the mall. <laughs> Where were you? Huh? Where were you? I had a ball with me, and I think it like hit my foot and went. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of cliche at this point, but I think it went under a clothes rack, and like my mom like could not find me, and because we're so close to the border, like they put that mall in lockdown like immediately. Mm. And I think it took him like 10 or 15 minutes to find me. I thought you were going to say you were at uh, a really nice restaurant and you hadn't made reservations, but you heard someone's name who was kind of close to <laughs> you. So it. you just stood up really quick. <laughs> <laughs> I remember some more thing happening in a mall. I was like, you know how those clothes racks are like the internal space yeah. within them? I hid in one of those, and it was like a long time before my mom could find me, and she was freaked out. You hid in it on purpose. Yeah, I think I was just being... Oh, I was just chasing a ball. I was just being like a little goofball, but... Chasing a ball. (laughs) You ever get lost, Mikey? As a child? Uh, Or as as an adult? Have you been lost? (laughs) (laughs) I've been lost as an adult, yeah. (laughs) All the time. I don't... Yeah, it's... 
I think their relationship is all about her just throwing all of this guilt onto Bo. Mm-hmm. I don't think it. I don't know if it has to do with anything sexual, but it, it's certainly implied throughout the movie, I guess. But I, I just don't think that's the end end result of the abuse that he's receiving. I think the only like sexual abuse aspect was like just the tremendous amount of like shame and fear she put around sex. You know what I mean? Like she, I think she literally told him you're gonna die if you have an orgasm. That's it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Which Parker Posey dying when she comes? Like what? What's happening there? Like that doesn't seem. I don't know at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. In the version of events where this is like an elaborate hoax by the mother, maybe this is another one of the people that like volunteered. Like her family is getting paid off millions. Like Martha's She's like family. stiff as a board Martha, when she dies. Remember Martha <laughs> volunteered to have her head caved in by the chandelier. But why did she have to volunteer? So For her family to get all the money. And her life was miserable under Mona, yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> but why would? What, what's weird about Parker Posey is like that's it's never really fully explained. But she's like, yeah, I worked for your mom, and then like Bo is like pressing her on this, like for how long up until when? And it's like not super clear at any point what that. Since really you were a kid, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Huh? Yeah. It's just weird. <laughs> He's fucking weird. I don't know if we've said that. You yeah. could all, and then I think you could even go as far as say as like. The girl is his mom as she's like role playing different people in his life. And that's how he's like come to terms with banging his mom or something. Jesus. I don't think we go that far. <laughs> I, I really think it's more like at the end. I love how the explanation could just be like these very simple. I got lost in a mall once and like because I was dropped on my head as a baby. And the doctor lied about it. I process it in this very unhealthy way. (laughs) Stevie, I have a question for you. Yep. Who is the most evil person in the movie, and why is it the psychiatrist? Dude. (laughs) I forget the actor's name, the guy from Dune or whatever. He is insane the way he's smiling. I'd be a hypocrite if I said it wasn't. Because Bo has no friends, correct? So that demon guy looking at him through the window is like his closest friend. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who chases him to his door every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, bye. <laughs> no, but um, on the Truman Show, which this is a like, if you're listening to this podcast, and I really appreciate it. Like, we love doing this pod, but this movie is very, very similar to the Truman Show. Which we did a podcast on. And on that podcast, I said Marlon is the single most evil character um, Mm -hmm. in that movie, not because he created the concept, because he knew and didn't stop it. Mm -hmm. And that's why, Josh, you're very correct. The psychiatrist is the most evil person in this movie, because he can stop it at any moment. Because he's directly trying to open Bo up every day and trying to, you know, give him, you know, as much advice as possible or kind of like receiving him. And he does nothing but work for Mona and have the weirdest fucking smile at the end when he's walking in the house. They just keep zooming in on it. Dude, that smile. It was was sinister. (laughs) There's something unnerving about, like you said, he keeps opening up to him and he's the person he opens up to. He writes guilty on his his, uh, paper. He doesn't write guilt. He writes guilty. 
<laughs> Something this movie is establishing that's really difficult for our main character, Bo, is that even from the very beginning, the way he misses his flight is very hard for him to even explain. Like, my keys got stolen out of my door because I wasn't getting sleep, but I'm on my way. Like, as soon as like those things start getting stacked on top of each other, the most... Well, Bo si- is dealing with a narcissist, so... He yes. has to choose his words carefully <laughs> in order to appease this it's, woman from losing her to- her fucking mind on him, which I'm sure he has happened so many times before. It's that feeling of like being late or something, and all these little bad things happen to you to make you late, and it's just like a nightmare. And you get there, and it's like so hard to explain that to someone. You just sound like an idiot explaining it. But then maybe, just maybe, you have a close friend or a psychiatrist who truly understands because they've stood there and taken the time for you to like list out every single thing and process it. Turns out they're just selling those DVDs to your mom. (laughs) (laughs) And the movie never like says what happens to him, but like good for the movie. You know what I mean? Like we don't need to see the psychiatrist reaction to Bo choking his mom out. You know what I mean? It's it's not that type of movie. It's Bo's on to the next thing, the next part of his adventure. It's not explained. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the point of the movie, right? We're not supposed yeah. to know. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, because Bo, for fuck's sake, doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there's not, there's nothing like really coherent going on there, so we're not going to see anything coherent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys have any final thoughts for yes or no's? I don't think he killed his mom. But I do think he would crucify himself for even having like that quick second thought that like ooh, choking her out yeah. wouldn't be so bad. That's kind of how I took that. But well, it's like that's all triggered by him, her about to say that she hates him. You know what I mean? And I think he kind of hates her back. I think that's the reality of their relationship. It's there is some love out of an obligation, almost. You know, but it's not a happy mother son relationship. Um. The only th- final thought I had, Stevie, was from the Orphans of the Forest. And I don't know why this made me laugh so much. But there's this, like, barred-ass looking dude. And he's, like, strumming his minstrel as Bo is coming into the <laughs> the group. And the, the pregnant lady goes, uh, oh, Bo's uh, family, like, his mom died and he was in an accident. And the barred guy goes, when sorrows come, they come not in single spies, but in battalions. And Bo- <laughs> His ass just goes, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't know why that one got me so good. And uh, Josh, you have the Mariah Carey clip. Can we listen to a little bit of that? Uh, it's a fucking jam. The, uh, oh, yeah. She went to the premiere. I know, right? The p- picture of her with Ari Aster is wild. I can't believe she allowed it to be in the movie. I wonder what she thought of the movie. Can we? Can you describe the scene that it's played? So, Like... We got Parker Posey. Jam. Uh, Deepen your voice a little bit. Slow down, Pat. We got Parker Posey. She restarts the song a couple times to get it hit just right. (laughs) Oh, let me start that. (laughs) Get it real sexy this time, Pat. Her bags are out. Look great. She's looking good. Bo's so backed up, he shoots his load through the condo. <laughs> God. 
<laughs> I love this song, unironically. I think it's an amazing song. She didn't die when he came. She, she died, died when, when, she, she, when came. she came. What does that mean? Sex is bad, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Make you go blind. No, I think in like Bo's mind though, he's like, because I, we had sex, you're gonna die now. Yeah. Like, it's probably what his mom drilled into him. Just sexual guilt. Yeah. Good old Catholic sexual guilt. Mm, Mariah. <laughs> Those are my only final thoughts. That's all I got. I didn't pull this whole song, so it's just going to cut at some point. <laughs> just fair warning. <laughs> but we can jam to it till then, right? Yeah. Okay. No, Parker Posey looks great, though. Like, my real. All right. <laughs> like, my real introductions were her with, her, her, like, with uh, like Best in Show. And then that. Best in Show. It's so funny. And then that commercial with Jimmy Fallon where she's dancing on top of cars. You guys remember that? No? Mm-mm. Oh. Not as vividly as I'd like to. It's a good one, but um, let's get into yes or no's. Josh, let's start with you. Mm. Oh my gosh. There are scarcely few yeses more hard than this. I love where it puts your brain. I joked with the boys in the thread that I needed a, I needed to take like a mental health day from work after watching this yeah. movie because it's so intense and outrageous. I read all... I think all of the YouTube comments under this movie, and I'd like to share a couple of them <laughs> yeah. in a little bit. I think you should read some of the Spotify stuff too when we get there, Pat. There's a couple Spotify comments we should read. For us? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. I can, yeah, I'll buy you some time when I read these YouTube comments. But the reason I bring this up is because there is like a big conversation <laughs> in the comments about um, eating shrooms or taking LSD and then watching this and I would totally not advise doing drugs A but B doing that and watching this movie it's just too much man you this is like a drug free trip to just watch this movie and that's like it's insanity there's no concrete ending that you can like really stick your finger in and be like this is it this is what it all means I don't think that's what it's ever meant to be um but it's a really fun movie, even though that frustrates some people. The rating for it I saw was like on IMDb like a two point seven or two point nine. That's absurdly low. That for is the... six point eight now. Uh, out of ten, I was lo- I was looking at one that was out, out of, of five, and it was like a two point nine. That might something. be Letterboxd. I think is maybe it was. That sounds about right for Letterboxd. Yeah. And I couldn't believe is that low. And Pappy, just for one last comment for me, something you said earlier about Ari Aster. I wrote in my notes that it just seems like he has even maybe more than any director, just the full access array of all the color palette, yeah. every camera trick, yep. all the lenses. He could. We ripped on, what is the movie where they kept showing Alan Rickman with the wide lens? Oh, uh, Robin Hood? Robin Hood, yeah. Prince of Thieves. Yeah. It, in a Ari Aster movie, that wouldn't feel out of place to suddenly yeah, have a it would wide be a lens. choice. Yeah, <laughs> mistake. A feature, not a bug. <laughs> I love this movie. Huge yes, guys. Uh, Pappy. Yeah. Uh, definite rock hard yes for me. Um, I think where it stands in the terms of the three Ari Aster movies that I've seen, I'm not sure. I don't think it's number one. Because I think Hereditary is like one of the best horror movies ever made. Like legitimately 
like maybe my favorite horror movie ever made. Um, this was a bold choice again by him. And I, I don't know if I'm like explaining it correctly, but it's just so wild that he he was given the keys to any kingdom he wanted, and he made this. You know what I mean? Like that's. <laughs> such a crazy choice and like a, a like a bold direction for his career um he's definitely my favorite director under 40 years old like i don't think i can't even think of anyone who's like anywhere near as close to how much i like him um i don't really even care to try and speculate on like what the objective truth or like try to find like the grand unifying theory of bo is afraid <laughs> is like I, Sorry if I was... No, 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 no. It's just like, I just like... I'm just not even going to put any mental energy into it after this pod. Like, if I ever watch this movie again, it's just going to wash over me for what it is, you know? And like, maybe I'll pick up on little things here, little things there. But like, man, like he makes the best looking movies. Incredible cast. Um, incredible writer, Ari Aster, too. Yeah. Like, the way he was able to be funny in this, like funnier than like either of the two other movies he's made um hard fucking yes i hope like spoilers is around long enough to always do a podcast on whatever he's involved in for the rest of our lives because <laughs> that'd just, be pretty cool it's just so fun to talk about ari aster we'll movies. grow with him yeah yeah exactly <laughs> hard yes <clears throat> mikey yeah it's a hard yes just uh from a production standpoint the way this movie looks, it's so unique and uh, how it wants to portray itself visually. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, it's all, I mean, when you look at it, it's its own thing. I don't think there's any other movie that exactly looks like this. It's kind of its own beast. Uh, like Pap, I don't think I'm going to try and interpret this movie in any way that i can we mentioned david lynch before and i think that's pretty much all you just got to take from it it's just stream of consciousness from this guy it feels almost like but there's so much thought put into it it means something to ari aster obviously but i think we're just supposed to interpret it in our own way and there's lots of different ways that you can interpret that if you want um very it's very dark, but it's also very lighthearted. Uh, so much comedy in it. I didn't think it was a horror movie at all, but it still gives you all of the anxiety of a horror movie of what this guy like encounters in his everyday life in his apartment. It's a really strange movie, but it's a yeah, it's a super hard yes. It's probably like one of the most unique movies I've ever seen, and it reminds me so much of Mother and just like how chaotic it comes across but it's like if mother was a comedy starring joaquin phoenix and it's that's just such a bizarre concept if you've yeah. seen that movie so yeah it's a hard yes can't wait to see what he does next because man I, I like you guys i love hereditary and midsummer's not my favorite movie but it's still pretty damn good and this was also really good as well nice what this movie isn't is like when you're with the family and everybody's trying to pick a movie to pick. <laughs> Bo is Afraid is not that movie because you'll never be allowed to pick a movie with the family again. 
Um, if you guys even made it to like an hour and a half, I'd be shocked. <laughs> funny thought. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Thanksgiving, the family's dinner. I wish I was afraid. There is other movies are really good. Okay. <laughs> and half the room is just gone by like, the first hour. Um, but I will give this a hard yes. Um, not because it's already asked And I think as filmgoers, we are ungodly lucky right now that we are in the time of like Robert Eggers, Jordan Peele, and Ari Aster. I mean, guys really at the top of their games right now. And this movie does so many things on a filmmaking level. You're like, geez. You know, I know this movie cost 35 million to make and probably made, you know, six or seven million at the box office, if that. But it's just a really beautiful movie to look at. And it also doesn't hurt that Joaquin Phoenix is really giving it his all. And I think even if it's not the most coherent story, even if it's not super tight and it's also three hours long, it's just a fun movie to watch. And it also probably doesn't hurt that Nathan Lane and Richard Kind are both in this movie (laughs) doing just hilarious things. So I'll give it a hard yes. I mean, I don't think it's on the level of Hereditary or Midsommar, but I think those movies are also just a cut above your normal movie. I think Hereditary, like Pap said, is an all-time, all-time horror movie that really (laughs) elevated horror to a new level when that movie came out. And I think people have been chasing Hereditary ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will give this the hardest of yeses. Bow is preserved. Deservedly so, I think. Not according to the internet. Divisive. I wonder if Brett or Kylo would have given this the ass. I wish we could have had someone on who fucking hated this movie. Like that kind of would have been. I think Brett would have hated it. I do too. Yeah. Three hundred twenty thousand dollars opening weekend, U.S. and Canada. <sighs> Pretty terrible. Eleven million worldwide. Eleven point five. You want to hear some YouTube comments? Yes. I dug deep. I thought this was interesting. One person said, Demonicar23 said, it looked like a twisted, dark version of Big Fish. Riffy Beats said, Truman Show reimagined, which is kind of like what you said. Why? Yeah, it's so pervasive, that comparison. There's elements of it, but. Yeah. It's a guy who's not in control. It has water affect his entire life. Oh, yeah, I guess so then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good point. <laughs> Ed Visner said, and this speaks to uh the divisiveness of the movie. He said, Honestly, it was sick. I finally turned it off when there was a naked man shaking his penis in the street. Yes, it showed it. Do not recommend. <laughs> that was like in the first twenty minutes. <laughs> well, he had. That's enough. when I got hooked. That's what, well, that's what hooked that's me in. Really, yeah, got me in there. That and like the half button cop. He was like a sixteenth of the way through the movie. Economically <laughs> placed lower third covering his penis really hooked me in. Yes, they show it. At Benny Ford said, "I want a commentary track by the character Mona Wasserman, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that's just, a really funny idea. That would be funny. That'd be funny. And then last one." Uh, I think it says Chance Thrash. They said, love it or hate the movie, you can't stop thinking about it. And I like I like that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, did you want to read like our Spotify comments? Is that what? You yeah, because yeah. I feel like we've had a couple nice fans leaving us some. Comments. Let's go. Let's give them mm-hmm. some love. Yeah, uh, it's a great way to interact with us, and it lets you respond to a specific episode. So if you have Spotify and that's where you listen, uh, go to the Q and A and tell us what you thought about the episode. Austin Knight, another good friend of the pod, along with Nick. Uh, we should probably say Nick one more time. Good choice. Big up to you. Yeah, glad you... Great spoilers. Great choice. A great bequeathment, yeah. really. So glad you queefed this quote. on our faces. Um, Very proud of you. Austin Knight said, for the Princess Bride episode, the pap plot thickens. Mama Pop Pap was an awesome guest in this episode. You love to see it. So I appreciate that, Austin. And then... Hold um, on a second. Yeah. Having your mom on that pod was so amazing. Aww. That's one of the funnest, most memorable pods we've done. I love it. Yeah. Honestly. It's so cool. It's her favorite movie. She was thrilled to be on it. Like, <laughs> I was over at her house that day, and she was like, I could hear her listening to the episode as she was walking around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, Kidney92, K-Y-D-N-E-Y 92, on the Barbie episode said, I enjoyed Barbie. It's not a hard yes for me, just a normal yes. I think it was a tad long and beats you over the head with this message a little too much, but overall, it was a fun time at the theater. So yeah, as long as you have the spoilers lingo in there, hard yes, soft yes, we, we want to know what you hear about the movie too, what you think about the movie too. So another good good. That's review. a spoilers fan right there, if they're saying mm-hmm. hard yeses. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. But as part of spoilers, I also have a little bit of trivia. This was a very half-assed what? <laughs> week little oh. trivia. It took me like five minutes. It was a Brett special. How long do you think it is? Like, can we start the Wolftron outro yeah, music? It do you will think? not even take that. All right, I'll start it as Go you get it. going here. Okay, yeah. according to like spiders dot com. <laughs> spiders dot com. Brett, plug your ears. How many spiderlings does a brown recluse spider lay at a time on the high end? Spiderlings was also the term that they used. Not spider wings. Spiderlings. Lings, little baby spiders. <laughs> Since uh, you guys are in Mikasa, I'll go first. All righty. Um, they, they just lay them, right? They don't have to live. They just lay them, right? Yeah, like potential. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry. Reproduced spiderlings, like things that hatch and live, like. Oh, so like, yeah, the survivors. Yeah. They may have like. I'll, I'll say, I'll say fifty-five. Okay, Josh. One hundred and fifty-five. <gasps> Mikey. God, you would hope it'd be one. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> they lay hundreds of eggs. I, I assume. So I'll say like a hundred. Just another incredible guess by Stevie. 50 spiderlings. Let's fucking go, boys. Spiders.com also added that in three years, you could have 250 brown recluses from one male and one female. You're you're dead. Yeah. I mean, if you have that many in your house, you're you're, you're dead. Steve, you have a hot take? You want to kick us out? You're a great host, by the way. It's fun doing these in person, Mikey. I really appreciate you guys coming over. Mikey, thanks for taking the time and getting on really uh, well. Skype with us. Yeah, That did work pretty well. That was um, fun. I know we're going through like a deep writers and actors and you know director strike right now. Kind of sucks for the industry since like, TV's supposed to be shooting again. And also, um, fuck Bill Mayer for starting his uh, whole show up again. Andrew Barrymore. Andrew Barrymore. Go fuck yourselves. Um, Andrew Barrymore? Yeah, she can go fuck no. herself. Drew Barrymore or Andrew Barrymore? 
comma. Black Adam. <laughs> <laughs> that is a deep cut, sir. But um, as I digress, uh, you guys know I really just love Craig Mazin. I think that man's a genius. And he's going to be helming a new trilogy of pirates movies coming up Woo-hoo. for Disney. Um, I think there's anybody that can, quote unquote, you know, ride the ship or steer it in the right direction. It's him. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Johnny Depp or not, but uh, he said it's extremely weird, and he was shocked that it got picked up uh, from what he pitched, but Craig Mazin knows how to helm that shit, so I'm really excited for that. If one person could make me like excited for the Pirates franchise reboot, it would literally be Craig, Craig Mazin. Mazin. Yeah, he's- or Ari Aster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, once again, thank you guys, and um, that was Spoilers. Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll. You know, it's been three years since the last time you were on the show, and I will just say right off the top here, you look different than I remember. Brother Brian. You've got a, a, a nice beard going? and uh, Oh, yeah, thank yeah. you. How is that, the beard? Nick. In my way. Well, is it comfortable? Is it itchy? Is it? Uh, are you pleased with it? The Meg. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about, about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm making you feel weird about it? Nurse Stacy. Is there something wrong? I can't be the first one to make you feel weird about it. Mm, no, I guess not. See, that's what I'm talking about. Is it, you do a lot of this? Spencer. Mm, that's just a nervous tick, I think. Oh, just a nervous tick. Uh, you know, I saw this... Uh... Barky 420. I saw this movie the other night. Tremendous. What a tremendous film. You and uh, who else is in it? Uh, what's her name? Beautiful, lovely... The Wolf. Mm. Swole. Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah, Gwyneth oh. Paltrow. Vanessa Shaw. Very nice movie. And uh, you don't see movies like this much anymore, and I was so gratified to see it. And you were terrific in the film. I really enjoyed your work. Thank you. Yeah. P.K. and King. Are you? <clears throat> Dr. Laws. Jesus. Please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Um, what, uh, what can you tell us about your days with the Unabomber? <laughs> that was spoilers.